been a little while since we've had a new podcast episode because Jen and I have been super busy getting issue 10 finished. It's almost there, by the way. It's coming soon. So to bridge the gap between episodes, we thought it would be fun to share one of the stories from a previous issue. So this is a story from issue 8, and it's read by friend of the show, Corey Miller. If you want to hear more fiction and poetry from this issue, you can find it at firewords.co.uk forward slash 8. So sit back and enjoy the story. The Wasp and the Willow by Caroline Topgin Had anyone spotted her while she was hauling the body, they would have witnessed nothing but a girl pulling a picnic cooler with a rusted wagon. Colette Lalonde stopped only twice, the first time to wipe the sweat from her palms on the hips of her cut-off shorts, the second to alleviate the burn from the inner folds of her knuckles where blisters had started to form. Turned out, hoisting an adult cadaver three miles with a 5'3", 110-pound frame could do that to a girl. By the time she'd escaped to the lottery property with its acres of buckwheat, she was clenching her jaw so tightly that her temples hurt. Ignoring the finches that fluttered skyward at her intrusion, she rolled through a strip of uncut bluegrass that edged the fields. At the far side of the strip stood her destination, a weeping willow petrified into rock. Scientists said it happened centuries ago when a volcano filled the skies with fire. The willow was a geological anomaly. Everything else melted, they said. Years later, tectonic plates drained and buried the bluff and formed hiker hills. Of course, townsfolk whispered a different story. The old willow was more than stone. It was a living, breathing thing. A ghost with a grievance so harrowing that it needed a monument to mourn. Legend had it that if you went there during the equinox, when breaths of light and dark tinted the air violet, you could hear the volcanic rock moan. And if you stuck around long enough, if the cry of its limit alone didn't rupture your heart and set fire to your muscles, then you'd behold a bead of bloody sap seep from a cleft in its trunk. According to 17-year-old Colette, this was absolute bullshit. But bullshit could have an upside. Case in point, that willow and the fields in which it stood were certain to be devoid of trespassers no matter the season. Sugar-buzzed kids, bored teenagers, and bloated drunkards had better places to loiter than a fossilized tree rumored to harbor a hoodoo, so much that generations of lottery landowners had never bothered to put up a fence along the willow's boundary. It was only logical that Colette Lalonde would bury the body there. In hindsight, it was simply bad luck that, on the first and last occasion when she would need to rid herself of a corpse, the date would fall on the 20th of March, a Sunday, one full moon after the holy Juju Begone Sabbath. Not that Letty believed in that kind of stuff. She had always been the most prudent of her sisters. The third child of Veronique and Benoit Lalonde's line of five daughters, she was used to cleaning up messes of others. Like the time her youngest sibling, Adele, thought it would be a good idea to unleash their family dog so that he could chase a porcupine. It was Letty who'd spent the entire afternoon pulling out quills from Oscar's snout with a pair of electrical pliers. Or when the eldest Lalonde girl, Noelle, was caught stealing a pack of condoms at the local pharmacy, it was Letty who'd convinced the manager not to press charges. As far as Letty was concerned, that afternoon on March 20th, which she would henceforth think of as the Willow incident, was no different. Letty leaned over with her hands at her waist and took a moment to catch her breath. Freshly hatched flies were circling her ankles. She remembered reading somewhere that wasps were carnivores and thought it only a matter of time before they, too, caught the scent of the carrion and joined them. There was no time for rest. 
She withdrew her mother's gardening gloves from her back pocket, picked up the spade she'd wedged between the cooler and the lip of the wagon, and came face to face with the willow. Thus far, with one eye on the tracks she was trampling through reeds and on the other the wagon's corroded bolts that were starting to bobble, she'd scarcely considered the tree. For Letty, it was an object, an unremarkable hunk of stone glorified into superstition and used by adults to scare children into eating greens. Swallow that broccoli or you'll go straight to the bleeding willow. Even from a distance, it wasn't hard to imagine why it inspired a tale of haunting. Her cursory glances had registered a gnarled, looming form unearthed from the ground like a wrist with mishappen fingers. Still, nothing could have prepared Letty for the dual beauty and violence of that bark up close. It was a skin of veins and lesions gilded in graphite. Bubbles, cracks, and boils produced a lacework of organic animation. Deep crevices scored the crust with lines that twisted into knots and tumors. A sublime nightmare. Her jaw dropping, Letty raised a trembling hand to caress the tree. It was warm and soft. She trailed the ridge upward with her index finger, gazing higher and higher, sensing the tree's age and its sadness. No. That last part was her imagination. Rocks don't feel, Letty assured herself. She blinked. A crown of mangled braids too heavy for its head, the willow bowed down as if to greet and encircle her inside of its limbs. Hello, Letty whispered, momentarily forgetting the human carcass festering at her side, momentarily forgetting that she didn't believe in magic, that all rocks were lifeless minerals without hearing. She may have stood there entranced all afternoon had a sudden sting to her calf not interrupted her reverie. She flinched back with a hiss and inspected her leg. Wasp, she concluded, rubbing the fiery spot at the same time as a whiff of decay skirted past her nose. She shooed away a pair of circling flies. It had been a mere hour since the murder, long enough for the rot to begin to set and leak from the cooler. She lifted her face into the breeze. That's what you get for dawdling, Let. She inwardly chided before resuming her dirty deed. She took three giant steps away from the willow's stump and, using her heel, bore down her weight onto the spade. When she broke into the turf and extracted the first load of silt, a cloud of burnt amber, cinnamon, and musk lifted around her, something that would have given pause to any normal individual. But Letty was hardly normal, at least not during the act of covering up a homicide. As her shovel broke through buds of dandelions, devil snare, and catmint, Letty sang, finding a rhythm in time with the digs of her heel and puffs of her breath. Oh, dirty deeds, my dirty deeds, I hear your needs, come crack these weeds. Letty couldn't have possibly foreseen that by attempting to bury one secret, she'd be disturbing the bed of another. First we slice em, then we dice em, last of all we need to ice em, oh, my dirty... Her shovel struck something solid. She drew back and rubbed a tingle that pooled at her elbow. Despite the unlikelihood of all success and all signs of an impenetrable object under the earth's crust, Letty refused to relent. Her tenacity was her pride, though her sisters would have called it denial and pig-headedness. She inhaled a lungful of that spiced air, lifted the steel tip of her shovel, and, gritting her molars, threw down the entirety of her weight. The ground swayed or Letty did. She couldn't quite decipher where her sneakers ended and the soil began. An invisible hand was gripping her by the jaw, rotating her head to view the willow. A seizure. Her vision blurred and the willow's limbs oscillated, contracting and expanding above her like thrusts of a giant jellyfish. For the first time in a long while, 
that he considered leaving a task incomplete, a duty abandoned. She could run and later return for the body when her head was clearer, her muscles rested. Better yet, maybe coyotes would rob the cooler during her absence. Gulls, rats, wasps. They'd ingest the evidence, and then she'd only have the bones to toss. There are 206 bones in the human body, and four to 5,000 yellow jackets in a colony. Letty recited. She liked biology. She should go. But even as she rationalized her decision, resolving that it was the sole option for a girl in her position, an invisible force was locking her in place, keeping her legs planted and eyes open. Stay. Witness. Sound pricked the soles of her feet. Seconds later, it climbed her bones, wrapped her vertebrae, and flooded gapes in her mind. Letty dropped the spade. The drone reverberated and plucked Sonar's cords. Letty screamed, causing a neighboring flock of crows to take flight. Surely she was suffering from a murder's malady, or a rare form of epileptic exhaustion, or anaphylactic shock, or airborne opiates. One or some of all of the above. She was going insane. And from the rock it came, a pressure so dreadful that it caused a snap beneath Letty's breastbone. Splinters pierced her ribcage. She clutched her chest, stumbled and fell to her knees at the base of the willow. Her forehead sank into a raised root, scraping the skin there. She made out words. Oh, Letty, Letty, what have you done? It grieved. A sting delivered to the apex of her neck made her throw back her head. Look at me, wasp. Killer, killer, killer. We understand each other, you and I. A hairline fissure on the trunk darkened. Letty widened her eyes until her lids fully retracted into their sockets. No, no, no. Rocks don't bleed. Ghosts don't exist. Why are you here, little killer? Dirty deeds, my dirty deeds. What do you come to bury? I hear your... Why don't you take a look inside the box? La la la, Letty shook her head fanatically. No, 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 rocks do not. Oh, dirty deeds, my dirty. There was a gust of wind and red, red sap flicked onto Letty's lap. She gagged as her lungs filled with the reek of rotting flesh. What do you offer these old, thirsty roots? Letty's retching transformed into laughter, a full-bellied, manic wail of someone who'd lost all grip on reality. She slapped at the rock's twisted column, tears welling up, teeth bared, begging that tree to stop its taunt. Her stomach hurt from uncontrollable spasms. She scooted sideways, going down hard, bruising her shoulder. From that vantage point, the willow's protruding stalks reminded her of toenails, chalky and mangled. She broke into a renewed fit. Letty rolled left and right, she ignored the taste of bile on her tongue and the ancient roots that ground into the softest parts of her flesh. Eventually, Letty slammed face first into the wheel of the wagon. This had a sobering, if not painful, effect and abruptly cut off her outburst. With stars in her vision, Letty heaved and propped her spine against the willow. The backs of her arms met with something sticky and bits of gravel dug into her skin. She sniffed, turning away from the stink of the cooler. The stench was impossible to escape. Her nose was bleeding, coating the back of her throat with iron. She ignored the trickle and listened to the cricket sing. Blades of grass nodded their heads as if sharing her appreciation of the insect's chime.
Cree-cree. Suddenly, Letty remembered why she was here. With the discipline of a hundred soldiers, she pushed upright. Her fists on her hips, she stared down at the cooler, sniffed, wiped her nose with the back of her hand. Cherry and rust streaked her wrist. Letty lifted the lid. Psh! A dead body is a dead body, she thought, and a rock is just a rock. Gazing within the empty box, she put one foot inside and then the other. It would be a while yet before the coyotes would come, but the wasps had already discovered her. Letty squeezed inside, folding one joint atop of the other. Pricks of venom burned her pores, and she did her best to cool them with the licks of her tongue. This angle or that, she popped one shoulder followed by the other, adjusting pieces of herself until she was molded inside the cooler, a twist of bones and flesh. She dropped the lid and met the shadows. The darkness would take her, one sting at a time.